Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk about Indiana University's new health engagement program and its effects on university employees. Joining us in the studio are IU Vice President and CFO Neil Theobald and local CWA Union President Bryce Smedley. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there to uh, send us an email and you can also join the chat. There's a live chat going on at wfiu.org slash noon edition so you can weigh in with your opinions on this uh, matter of the new health engagement program. Thanks for being here. Nice to be here. Neil, Bryce, thanks thanks for being here. Um, Before we uh, start talking about the uh, health uh, engagement program, I think it's worth discussing a little bit the pay raise proposal. The the trustees will be voting on that within the hour if everything goes according to plan. And, you know, yesterday is big news from the trustees meeting. Uh, President McRobbie recommended a uh, 3% pay raise for university faculty and staff that will become effective on November 1st. Uh, Neil, can you explain to us what's behind that announcement and why now? Why now was we wanted to wait until we saw our enrollments for the fall. And each of the seven campuses will be above budget on enrollment. Uh, I think the other major driver is looking at what other Big Ten universities are doing in terms of salaries. Uh, Seven of the ten have provided salary increases. Uh, So a 3 percent increase will put us right in the middle of that group. Okay. And how, will they, how are they going to be implemented? Uh, it's a 3 percent average correct. Um, pay increase, but it won't be 3 percent across the board. Correct? That's correct. Okay. Uh, separate pools for faculty and staff. Uh, the, uh, I've sent a draft policy to the provost on this campus and the chancellors of the other campuses to get feedback. So it, is, it isn't final of exactly the distribution, but it clearly will not be across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, the intent is to provide a uh, across the board, a small amount across the board, and then the majority of it going to reward top performers and merit in mm-hmm. each unit. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bryce, what, what about the, what's the faculty think of this? Faculty and staff. Well, I mean, we we believe it's a step in the right direction. Um, it's fiscally responsible. We've gone without wages increased for two years, I believe. Um, but it's we need to go further. I mean, a lot of this is going to be absorbed in higher parking fees. We may we will see higher healthcare costs. And so really we do need to promote livable wages in Monroe County and a lot of support staff who I represent um, make below the recommended livable wage in this county. So we're dealing with a population on campus who struggle to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And so this is moving in the right direction, but there's a lot more we have to do on it. We welcome, you know, we hope the trustees today vote for it. So, but, you know, with our bargaining unit, um, with our agreement with the trustees, CWA will negotiate with HR about how we distribute the funds to support staff and technical staff. So that's that's with our negotiations with them. With faculty, it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. We welcome it, but uh, there's a lot more to do. Sure. Bryce, would you tell me just exactly who you do represent so I understand what group you're speaking for today? Well, we represent 1,800 uh, employees here at, um, in Bloomington and IU Northwest. So that's technical mm-hmm. staff and support staff non-confidential, so staff who aren't dealing with confidential information, we, we cover all of them. 
whether they're a union paying member or not, we, we cover them in negotiations and as a bargaining unit. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. All right. Again, I want to give our phone numbers, 855-0811, 1-877-285-9348, our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there for a live chat that's going on right now. Um, let's move on to sort of the meat of the matter, which is the health care proposal. Uh, this proposal has been um, – uh, well, it's it's just different. It's changed because there's kind of a carrot and stick approach. So, Neil, I'm going to let you sort of just describe sure. what you're thinking and, and how this is different from a, a more typical program. Okay. We had a task force, the president appointed of faculty and staff, who uh, presented a report last fall uh, recommending two things. One, that we have an on-campus clinic and that we offer that as a health care option, which we're going to be able to do this year in Bloomington and Indianapolis. Uh, We hope to roll that out at the other five campuses as soon as Clarion has the the facilities to do that. You're going to use the old health center for that? No. uh, It will be a separate facility. It will be on campus, but it will be separate from that. That's a student health center that's supported by a student fee, so we want to basically keep that separate. Um, And then a healthy lifestyles initiative. And what that is is that uh, we will – now on the clinic, I guess to go back to that because I think these two fit together – very importantly, the, we don't have a final plan of exactly what the clinic is going to be like. But the agreement with Clarion is that the premium for the clinic in 2011 will be the same price as the lowest price health plan this year. So an employee that's in the lowest price health plan could have the same price health plan next year if they choose the clinic. Um, now, in addition to that, there will be an increase in premiums for all employees ranging between $240 and $960 for they and for their spouse or partner. Now, there are three things that employees can do and their spouse and partner can do that will uh, mitigate that increase. First is if they can demonstrate that they don't smoke or they go through a smoking cessation program, that premium increase is cut in half. So let's take the, the low group, the lowest uh, – and it's by, way, by salary as to what the uh, premium increase is. So the lowest wage group goes up by $240. If they can demonstrate they don't smoke or they go through smoking cessation, then the premium increase is only $120, cutting it in half. Secondly, we will be offering free biometric screening, getting your weight taken, your blood pressure, your cholesterol, blood glucose, those sort of things. If you have that exam, then it's another 25% off the premium increase. So for that person who is going to have a $240 increase, if they show they don't smoke or they go through smoking cessation and they get their weight taken, their blood pressure, cholesterol, it's down to $60. And then that final $60 can be wiped out if they complete an online program that Clarion has that provides advice on a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, I I don't know how prevalent this is in university settings. I know in the private sector, it's uh, it's becoming more and more common. Mm-hmm. So in the universities, is, are, is IU sort of out front on this? We will be the first in the Big Ten to try something like this, mm-hmm. uh, which is the peer group that, that I interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, basically, we are, in a, we are in a situation that is simply unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, we will spend about $168 million for health care at this university, uh, which is an increase of $16.7 million over what we spent last year. Those types of increases are simply not possible. And let, you know, if we want to cool this building on a warm day, if we want to have salary increases, if we want to do much of anything else, we've got to find a way to slow our growth in health care mm-hmm. costs. You know, really, I, I'm interested that the university is doing this, but it's not exactly uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, I worked for a utility 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. We, we rolled out a program like this. So 
Um, are you at all surprised by the amount of uh, surprise that this seems to be uh, generating? No. When you talk about uh, money and people's relationship to their physician, you expect that to be sensitive issues. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the least bit surprised. Bryce, what's, what's your reaction and the reaction of the, uh, the, the concerns that you hear from employees that are going to be switching to this plan? Well, this is a big concern for a lot of employees across the board from support staff to faculty to everyone who has health care benefits here. I think there's a lot of questions that need to be addressed and, and answered. I think we all agree that uh, this could be a step in the right direction to have people take control of their health, to make better decisions, and to drive down costs, which we, we all know is skyrocketing. Uh, how we approach it, though, I think we need to look at and, and thoroughly look at. I don't know if a lot of employees feel comfortable that the plan that's being offered has taken a lot of uh, issues and concerns into uh, consideration. Um, but for these things to be successful – Indiana University really has to invest into this program. Mm. And you can't have a program succeed if IU is not willing to uh, offer certain things, more carrots, more incentives. I believe that uh, if we make better incentives for people to participate and no repercussions. So if you don't meet some of these goals that are set out by the plan, you end up paying more. Um, so one of the big issues that faculty want to know is, and staff is um, the use of the facilities on campus, the gyms. Um, I work in the School of Hyper, and uh, I can't just walk down to the track and walk around for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. This is a complex issue about where do we start um, and where do individuals start in regaining control of their health. So for uh, staff like myself, I work 40 hours in front of a computer. So I am prone to what they call the sitting disease, um, which could make me prone to cancer, uh, being obese, and, and a, a multiple of factors. So if we really want to drive down cost, we need to reconceptualize how we operate and work in, in a university system and at a workstation. Now, some people at work um, may have the luxury or more discretionary time to leave their job or leave their workstation and exercise. Some faculty may have the choice to go and come. I can't. I have to stay for 40 hours. But I don't have the option to stand and work or to sit and work, or to have resistance stretching things in the offices where I can actually take five minutes to uh, stretch or things like that. So it's not just enough to say, well, here's an incentive plan. You're morbidly obese, and you need to meet this level in this amount of time or you're going to pay more money. That's just not going to fly. How many? We have to ask ourselves, how many people today adhere to a lifelong of exercise? Is that just the golden bullet? Is that the silver bullet there? Most people don't. Most people struggle. How can we ask some staff who may be bringing home 500 and some dollars every two weeks to say, well, go get a membership because IU is not going to offer this as an additional benefit? OSU, who's also considering the same thing, has gone around Columbus, Ohio, and they have a list of 40 different gyms that they have negotiated discounts, reduced, things like that. I think one thing that staff and faculty would be really appreciative of and maybe make them want to join the program is – let us use the facilities here without, you know, without a charger at a really big discount. A lot of staff can't afford it. I'm one of them. I can't afford to use the facilities here. Um, and I think that drives up the cost because it's, not, it's an opportunity we're missing out on. Well, Neil, let me, let me ask you to respond to that. I, I was talking to a member of the professional staff this morning who had the same issue or the same kind of concern. And you know, she was talking about, well, you know, is, will there be the opportunity for uh, somebody to take an hour and a half lunch and then work 30 minutes at the end of the day so that they can participate in, at some health 
facility? Or will there be perhaps other small satellite gems put around campus? And that's what Bryce is saying. So is that an issue that's been discussed? Is it on the table? Uh, it has not been. And I think we're, we're quite open to that right. direction of heading with things. I mean, clearly there are employees that an hour and a half break at lunchtime, given the nature of their job, this isn't going to be possible. So I don't, I'm not sure what we can do as far as structuring jobs. But certainly with, with uh, using the rec centers, uh, I'm all in favor of that. I think there's a, a lot of carrots that can be put into this as well. And nothing is decided beyond this first year. Uh, for the second and third year, uh, exactly how this is going to roll out, we'll, we'll be listening very carefully and I'll be interested to hear from Bryce what he's hearing from his membership professional staff council, you know, talking with the uh, people at the Bloomington Faculty Council on this campus, across campuses, and so on. Mm-hmm. And, and that would be really positive if um, on this committee as we move forward that we actually have representation from the CWA that serves on these committees and the professional mm-hmm. staff because if we want to do this right and really save money, we're all in it together. We're all going to pay if we don't do it right. Um, so really having a diverse you know, uh, perspectives on this committee would be welcome, which we haven't necessarily had in the past. I think sometimes when you get someone who earns the least on campus, they bring an interesting and valuable perspective to the development of programs. And it's more of a a buy-in from everyone. And and we would be very welcome if if that opened up those channels. All right. Our phone numbers again, 855-0811-1-877-285-9348, correct? Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there to send us an email. You also can go now for an online chat, and there's a poll on there, so you can sort of weigh in with what you think. It's a non-scientific poll, but we'll, we'll be getting your feedback there. We have a phone call. We have some email, so let's go to the phone first, and it's Charles. Charles? Yes, I applaud the university for uh, heading down this road to try to uh, control health care costs and to try to help their employees be healthier. I wonder what is the university asking of other health care providers, Clarion and other providers, what incentives, financial and otherwise, uh, and penalties are being looked at to help them uh, do cost control. I know there was a book out called The Checklist Manifesto which pointed out you could improve outcomes in operating rooms by implementing a checklist in surgery or by implementing checklists in uh, ICU, that that would help increase, decrease costs in those two areas in particular. Are you looking at doing anything like that uh, with regard to the health care providers? Uh, in the case of Clarion, uh, Clarion is actually a partnership between Indiana University and the Methodist Church. Uh, so m- many of the providers in Clarion are IU faculty uh, at the medical school. Uh, the agreements at this point, because we're, we're at the point of simply deciding we're going to go forward, is that the price of the program will be equal to the p- lowest price last year. That's as far as we've gone with this particular clinic and how it will be operated. Um, but we are very integrally involved in our partnership with Clarion. So the kind of issues you're talking about, we deal with every day with them. Okay, so you're looking at something to help decrease costs that would providers uh, for services so that they would improve uh, efficiency of their service, improve outcomes uh, in both surgery and in ICU visits? Absolutely. Yes, and our partners at Clarion are doing the same thing. Uh, you know, they operate the Bloomington Hospital, so this, the clinic plan will also be tied to Bloomington Hospital, which is, is part of Clarion. But, I mean, it does raise one concern uh, that has been addressed, and I mean, insurance companies are for profit. Um, and so I know that some people have addressed an issue that 
Well, what if the insurance company makes some of these levels they want you to get down to with your BMI, cholesterol, more stringent while making the penalties for not meeting those higher? And so I think one thing we'd like to know is how involved will IU be to make sure that we're not making things more stringent and then also raising the cost so insurance companies, you know, have a higher profit? The uh, second and third year aren't set yet. This is a little different here because we don't work with an insurance company. We're self-insured. And that's one reason why this is such a uh, profound issue for us because when healthcare costs go up, that literally goes right to our Mm -hmm. bottom line. Um, But we will listen with our employees and work with our employees. We can set this plan up. That's the nice thing about being self-insured. We can set this up in any way we want to. But clearly, a goal has got to be to constraining health care costs and whatever it is, right. whatever permutation we come up with that is, a, that is agreeable to all the parties, a big piece has got to be finding a way not to spend another $16.7 million next year in addition on health care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Neil, do you have any idea off the top of your head how the percentage of people at Indiana University who are smokers? I do not. Well, Indiana is one of the leading states with smokers. You know, and, and I mean, another issue that was brought up is you know, we're a smoke-free campus. Um, so currently we have people who just throw, throw their cigarette butts everywhere. Now, it may be advantageous to actually have ashtrays with information says no smoking and, and, and publicizing that way. Currently people smoke on campus. There's no enforcement. They throw cigarettes on the ground. Uh, we need to message better. Uh, we need to work with people better. And ignoring the fact that people are smoking on campus isn't really helping anyone. Um, so I think that, one, let's clean up campus a little bit, offer ashtrays, and use those areas as areas to really message out about uh, smoking, having a hotline maybe given if you need help, if you're an employee, those sorts of things. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's an interesting um, dilemma because, uh, you know, if you are offering ashtrays, you're sort of implying one, that it's okay. I think just for sanitary reasons, <laughs> you need to say smoking is not permitted on campus, but, you know, if you got a cigarette butt here, put yeah. it here and then maybe get some information. You're right. Yeah. Okay, here's a couple of uh, emails that have come in. Let's start with this one. It says, uh, this is actually out of our chat room. So this is neat. We don't often do this, so this is fun to get something out of there. Is it mandatory or just a financial incentive to provide better health? And I'm going to go on it, and you can address their all-related questions. So um, where has this type of program been successful? Where has it been a failure? And do the incentives, do the incentives work on all types of insurance or just the Cadillac types? Thanks. As in terms of where else it's been used in private industry, this is not an uncommon type of plan. Uh, I know Safeway, the, the West Coast uh, uh, grocery stores does it, uh, Johnson & Johnson. There are a number of corporations that have successfully implemented this sort of thing. The Healthy Lifestyles applies to all of the health plans. So regardless whether you go with the clinic or choose to stay with one of the existing plans, the Healthy Lifestyles initiative applies to all 17,000 of our employees. And was there another um, one? Let's see. So I, it's been successful in larger uh, businesses. Um, I think you – is it – oh, is it mandatory or uh, just a financial incentive? The uh, Healthy Lifestyles is, a, is mandatory. The premium will be added to all of our employees. That's obviously optional whether they choose to partake in the three activities that would lower that cost. But the, mm-hmm. the premium increases are mandatory. I, mean, I, I can address it from a private industry standpoint just – Looking at the Herald Times program, I pay $47 per pay period less for my insurance because I don't smoke and I participate in a screening process every year. So, kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, it really does come down to the carrot and stick approach. I mean, I know that Clarion Health and IU, which employs 12,000 employees, um, you know, charged employees who didn't meet some of these incentives $30 per pay period. 
So, um, I mean, with, you know, and I know uh, cases that came out in the uh, Harvard, um, Harvard research article that stated that people caught smoking at their jobs were actually fired. Um, so it, right now it's a, carrot, it's a carrot approach, at least on IU to a certain extent. But it just really depends on how you develop the program. Okay, here's uh, some more uh, interesting things that have come in. Uh, experts and consulting firms were employed to work out this program. How much was invested and how long do you estimate that it will take to recoup those expenses? Uh, why were no support staff or service maintenance representatives involved in the planning? Uh, it goes on from there. Let me. Um, now, I, I'm not sure exactly what the membership was of the task force. It was a fairly large task force. Bryce and I were talking about this earlier, and I'll certainly send him the list of who was on that task force. It was chaired by uh, Professor Thomas Inouye of the School of Medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know there were professional staff on it as to whether there were service workers, support, uh, staff. support staff involvement. I don't know. Um, in terms of what the, the other question uh, was. About the consultants that would have okay. uh, advised on this. We have a contract with Hewitt that is a uh, consulting firm. Uh, their role was more to put together the pamphlet that was sent out and so on. This is actually a program that was developed by Clarion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was no charge for Clarion to provide us this. Okay. It goes on. Oh, you- no, you go ahead. All right. Uh, how is it decided that those making $30,000 a year have $40 premiums, the highest percentage of salary of all the pro- premiums? Why doesn't IU encourage healthy habits by paying – well, we've, we've covered this. Okay, but I'm not sure what they're talking about with the $30,000 a year and the $40 premiums. The uh, premium increase is tied to your salary. So those individuals who earn 30000 or less, their premium increase is $240. Then oh. it goes from 30000 to I believe 5999 is uh, $480, all the way up to those making above uh, – I think it's one hundred twenty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. They would charge be charged nine hundred sixty dollars. Do you know what the? Because I don't know yet uh, what the baseline premium increase will be for this year. We don't. Uh, that'll be determined in October. Um, but given that our healthcare costs went up about ten percent, it's going to be something in that range. So it sounds like the questioner was asked was was suggesting that the percentage of salary is higher for the lower end people than the higher end people. I think that that would be the sentiment from a lot of people <laughs> who, the, who I've heard from. Okay. And Neil's kind of shaking his head. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we're going to go to the phones because we've got Joe on the phone. So, Joe, go ahead. Hello, Joe. Are you there? Uh, we don't have Joe, so. Okay. No Joe. Do you have any All more? right. Another I do. Email. Yeah, we'll I go sure back to email. do. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Uh, how are they going to offer an on-campus health clinic within a year? Are they planning to reuse existing facilities? Uh, although you wish to keep this separate from the health center, isn't it more cost-effective to reuse or extend existing on-campus health services such as the health center? Why is this not an option being considered? Some partnership with the Student Health Center is I've talked with Pete Goldsmith, the dean of students, uh, about this. I mean the major concern here is the uh, privacy of these healthcare records. Uh, by an outside party, Clarion, operating this clinic, we keep a firewall between ourselves as the employer and the healthcare records of our employees. And that's, that is ta- paramount. Now, if there is a way to use the healthcare center, there's prescription drug benefits there, there is things of that sort, and not break that firewall, then I think we, there's something we work on. And Pete Goldsmith and I are talking about that. Um, the other question was? 
Um, reusing the facility itself. Okay. Uh, it will be a renovated facility. We have identified two possibilities, and uh, a gentleman from Clarion and I are going to tour them next week. Mm-hmm. I, I want to mention something on this. I think it need, does need to be known that 4.5 million electronic media security breaches occurred concerning people's medical records in the U.S., um, and that's a major issue, I think, for a lot of uh, employees is the security of their privacy. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a bigger question going on here too. I mean, in our occupational health services that we provided to people who got injured on the job moved in 2003 to prompt care. Now, from folks I've spoken to, they actually had mentioned that it would be 40% cheaper if we had that still on campus. Um, and we also give flu shots to faculty and staff at the clinic here. And so the question is, is why don't we utilize more money into one facility? We have some of the best labs in the entire state. We have one of the best health clinics in the entire country um, for colleges. And so it's really hard for people to swallow to understand why there's such a separation there. I mean, it's much easier for people to get better health care when they can walk mm-hmm. to the place than leave work. And another question that was raised was when people go for their biometric testing and screening, um, who's paying for that? Do they ha- will IU pay to allow people to go and participate in this, in this? Mm-hmm. Um, and all kinds of incentives? I mean, there's been so, much, so many ideas generated um, and concerns that I'm really looking forward to the day that we can sit down and go over them because I think a, we have a lot of intelligent people on this campus yeah. and people have really looked at this from m- many dimensions. Neil, quick answer to those before we take a break? Is the other two sites are on campus as well. And, and again, we're discussing with the health center what would be possible, again, with privacy being the primary concern there. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to have to take a short break. I do want to remind you that our guests today are IU Vice President and CFO Neil Theobald. Uh, and also local CWA union president Bryce Smedley. We're talking about the new health engagement program at IU. Uh, You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as play and opera reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we're talking today about Indiana University's new health engagement program and its uh, effects on university employees. Joining us in the studio are IU Vice President and CFO Neil Theobald and local CWA Union President Bryce Smedley. There are various ways you can participate today. You can call us as usual on 855 855- 0811 and 
Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there to send us an email. You also can go there to chat and we have a poll up to see what people think about uh, the new IU Health Engagement Program. So, yeah, there are lots of questions that uh, that that Bryce has about about what's going on. I, I wanted to ask about the clinic, though. Again, mm-hmm. let's say I do opt to be um, to to participate in the clinic project. So, what does that mean for me and my family in terms of healthcare? Clarion has a group of physicians in Bloomington as well as in Indianapolis, uh, the Clarion Quality Partners, and it includes a large number of physicians across the city. So you can either go to their office or we will have an on-site clinic if you choose to use that facility. Um, and that is your primary – that's your healthcare home, I guess is the term these days. Mm-hmm. And from then, clearly Bloomington Hospital and the Clarion facility in, in uh, Indianapolis would be the – the hospital standing behind that. So one quick question. When people opt into the program and have that as their health care home, would they still be able to go to their personal doctors or their private doctors they've gone to? Say they have a special condition uh, where they have to see a specialist that they've seen for 20 years. Are, are their primary caregivers today still going to be their primary caregivers in two years? I would defer that to Dan Reeves who does uh, benefits. Um, but I'm, my assumption would be that would be out of network. But Dan would be the person who would know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people know. are concerned. I mean we build relationships with doctors. Mm-hmm. They know your family. They know your history. Mm-hmm. Starting over from scratch with somebody new because you do want to have the lower premiums and you do want to have a healthier lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's trouble. I mean that's hard to swallow for some people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have got – questions backed up like you wouldn't believe. Um, Well, we were talking about fried butter at the break, so I guess we're going (laughs) to get into the body mass index issue. Um, First of all, uh, the first question on this one, is it really legal for someone – for someone's insurance costs to go up due to pre-existing genetic conditions? Clearly, there will be a part of the plan that your physician will have a way to exclude you uh, if there are those kinds of issues. Okay. That, that's a good question because if, yeah. say, you're tre- you're being treated and you have high cholesterol and it's genetic, mm-hmm. um, and you're doing everything right, but you can't get the level down, mm-hmm. um, are you still going to pay more fees? And that goes with BMI. I mean, there's BMI isn't you know a solid science on this particular theory. I mean, are they going to look at bone structure? Are they going to look at muscles? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people's BMI is different for different eth- ethnicities. And one concern that was raised with some staff of um, diversity was, will this program be discriminatory against different uh, ethnicities and races who have totally different body structures mm-hmm. when it comes to bone mass and muscles? And that, that's a concern. That's an, that's an interesting comment because the second part of this uh, same message was BMI, body mass index, is a useful statistic when used for populations, but utter rubbish when applied to an individual. So so apparently, you're not the only one out there with that concern. Well, we really feel that if you want to have a health engagement plan that's going to be successful, we have to look at the individual. Um, and, and we all start off at a different state. I mean, someone who's been who's morbidly obese is not going to meet the level that they need to get to and if, if, they're, if it's you know, across the board. So what we're hoping for is as this develops that we can participate and really t- tailor this towards the individual. Is somebody making progress? Is somebody meeting to certain standards uh, on an individual basis um, that can be evaluated there? Because if someone's dropped 20 pounds but they haven't reached their goal yet, 
I think that they should be commended for that and see mm-hmm. lower premiums. Mm-hmm. I agree with that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. here we go. I'm an IU employee who goes to the gym at least four days a week for an hour, don't smoke, has excellent blood pressure and cholesterol, but I have a condition that would define me as de facto unhealthy. How can I be fairly treated in this invasive, intrusive nanny state program? I feel the the love oozing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, as I stated before, there will clearly need to be a, an exemption uh, component here. Uh, in fact, the forms are already on our website for getting an exemption from your physician. I think it's probably worth noting too, as Neil said a couple of times, you've got the first year kind of in right. place and there are going to be a lot of discussions right. and a lot of changes. All these questions are certainly valid. Well, I, I echo that and I, I think that if we have – if we're all given a seat at the table – I think we can work through a lot of these things because there's a lot of ideas. You know, if they give um, an additional 20-minute break for staff who are bound to their desk, um, 20 minutes to exercise where they get pedometers, where they go out and walk, and then they can go back in and log in the numbers. If we in, if we make this something that is positive and people don't feel that they're going to get a stick, I think you, you may get more people interested in the program if, if they can buy in at the developmental stage of it. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Now, they're saying Anthem here, and I'm wondering if they mean Clarion, but I'm going to read it as written. It says, can you explain Anthem's role in the IU plan? It seems to me that you might realize a greater savings if you cut out Anthem as the administrator and actually self-administered the program as the Cook Group does. Where where Anthem fit, and it is Anthem, uh, we buy access to physicians at at prices that are negotiated by Anthem. So we pay Anthem for their list. Uh, and then we pay the actual cost, so we don't have an insurance company involved. Okay. So they, they negotiate discounts. Uh, yeah, and this, and this stuff is always so complex. You know, you, you get your bill and it says this is what the charge mm-hmm. was. This is a negotiated charge. Right. This is what your insurance company will pay. Right. You know, it's it's kind of crazy. So and confusing. Yeah, confusing. yeah, you got that right. You, Wait, we we have, go, you want to do something no, else before hold, we hit the lightning round? Off. Yeah, okay. you hold off. We've got some uh, phone okay, calls. Great. So let's go to Adam next. Adam. Yes, hello. Uh, I would just like to begin by saying that I think that uh, this is a terrific idea that you're, you're starting, and the idea of getting into preventative medicine I think is fabulous. Now, you may have covered some of my question with the discussion about the BMI, but uh, I, I am a little, I'm one of those people, I'm a faculty member, who's a little worried about the stick. Um, and my particular sticking point is the, the research that's been done on cholesterol of late. Um, a lot of times these cholesterol numbers are pushed artificially low because most of our physicians are really trying to push us onto statins. And with all of the negative effects that I've been reading about with statins, it really concerns me that the stick may be if my cholesterol is right near the danger zone, that I must go on a statin or my premium goes up. And that's the sort of stick that really uh, concerns me because of my personal choice. I'm young enough. I don't want to be on a statin for the rest of my life. And I wonder uh, again, you have been discussing it a little bit, but what sort of exemptions can be made if I don't want to take a drug for the rest of my life? In partnership with your physician, clearly there will be an exemption process. Uh, and also in the next year, the next two years, uh, we will be meeting with all sorts of groups as to how should we set up these uh, metrics uh, progress towards them so that we don't end up in the kind of situation you're talking about. But clearly there will be an exemption for individual circumstances. But I think so. you do raise a good point and that is uh, under this program, how much control will people have over their health care? I mean over their, their decision making and that may be medicines. Um, um, and, and I think that's an important question we have to ask at some point is what kind of control will people be giving up or deferring to this program to be able to get lower premiums? And what kind of decisions will they be able to remain and have and continue to direct their life? Indeed. 
that would be my question. And and uh, it sounds like you're on the road to addressing it. And so I would just like to reiterate uh, how much I think the the process is a step in the right direction. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks. All right, Adam. Thanks a lot. We have Dave on the phone. Dave. Yes, this uh, question is pretty much for Neil. Um, I know in the past that you've talked about um, our shortfalls for the infrastructure of the campus. And as I look around campus, I see a number of opportunities for us to maybe have a healthier workplace. Um, things like, you know, having enough staff to wash doorknobs on a regular basis and uh, stair railings and even as much as, you know, removing air conditioners that are spraying mold around particular buildings. So could you maybe address the health, healthier workplace? And I would be interested in knowing what the specific – and literally send me an email of what specific instances you're talking about because clearly we don't want anything that uh, is at all unhealthy in the environment. In general, uh, a lot of that is tied to – I mean, so that's the specific. Please let me know the specifics. But in general, uh, one of the areas – our primary objective this year in the state legislature is going to be funding for renovation, remodeling of our existing buildings. That is our highest priority. Because your point is exactly right. This, built, this campus has 400 buildings that were built before 1960. And they have uh, infrastructures that are, are dated. And, uh, you know, that's a ma- that is our major priority in funding from the state this year. Uh, and I share your concern of, of uh, older buildings and we need to keep them up to, the, to a healthy, uh, appropriate level. And I would like to chime in on this a little bit as well. We know that uh, stress at the workplace is a serious factor in illness uh, for some folks and loss of productivity. We know that some people who are leaving IU aren't being replaced. So we have staff members doing the jobs of two or three people. And so I think one of the top priorities should be, as well as renovations, is really go to the legislature and raise wages. Uh, I think this is key. I mean, if you are struggling to make your, your payments, your utilities, um, that places so much stress on an individual to a breaking point. And, and at the workplace, if you're doing the job of two or three people and you're not being fairly compensated for it, it it's tremendous on, a, on an individual and it can have a serious negative effect. So we really have to look at – I think we have to put the individual first at times too and the people who are the backbone of the success of this university. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. All right. Our phone number is 855 one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. Our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. I highly recommend you go there if you're close to a computer. You can chat about what we're talking about. You could send us an email. You could also participate in a poll. Well, we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to comments and questions here. So uh, this is the lightning round. So uh, buckle your seatbelts. Here we go. Uh, have read that Clarion will soon change its name to IU Health. This doesn't sound like a separate entity that is better equipped to keep health records private. Please explain. They are a separate organization. Uh, they're simply uh, better trademarking so that they're better known. Clarion is not a name that is well known. So we are half owners. What happened was about uh, 20 years ago, the IU Health System or IU Hospital and Methodist Hospital merged to form Clarion. And, but Clarion is a sep- – there's a separate CFO, separate CEO. Totally different structure. Okay. And this just in. Oh, well, we have I've a, always wanted to say that. Yeah. We have <laughs> our, our unscientific poll, the folks that are uh, on the website, great idea, say 15%. I'm undecided, say 30%. And 55% say I'm not in favor of this. 
Anyway, that's what we have. It's early. Okay. It's early. All right. More more of the lightning round. Okay. Uh, with so many unanswered questions by Mr. Theobald, it seems clear that IU is unprepared. Is this due to a lack of planning or due to the fact that this is really being driven by Clarion? Well, the things that are unknown at this point are the health care plans that will be uh, issued in October. They simply aren't final yet. Uh, we wanted to give people a heads up that this was coming. Obviously, we need to begin to plan for the clinic. So, no, it's not a lack of planning. We will be ready to go with the clinic on January 1. Okay. Here's another one. How, as a supervisor of many support staff, are you going to monitor another 20-minute break for staff bound to a desk when over half of the staff smoke and will take this additional 20 minutes for a healthy exercise break to go smoke? Well, I'd like to answer that. Um, I don't think we need to offer people a 20-minute break who are not in the program. I mean, obviously, if you opt into the program, then that, that would be an incentive to be in the program. Mm-hmm. So if you're just saying, well, they get a 20-minute break. I want another 20-minute break. I was uh, using that as an example saying people who opt into the program, maybe we can look at things where they get an additional break with a pedometer who are actually doing something. Now, obviously, I wouldn't understand why somebody would want to take that break who opted into the program and then smoke. I mean, because that would seem to to be counterproductive, you know, counterproductive. But that was just given as an, a possibility of ways we can look at this. If we're going to run with this idea and this is going to develop over time, we have to be creative. I mean, we have to get people to change lifestyles. How people use their discretionary time has a direct effect on how healthy they will live. And I think one element in this whole discussion that's been missing is how do children fit into this scheme? Mm -hmm. Because research says that if we can get children active between the ages of 10 and 14, we can keep them active for the rest of their life. So the university should also be involved in Wellness in the Woods and other programs that are being researched and thought here on campus and how we can also engage children. You know, right now we have automatic deposits under a bank account. Everything's automatic, automated. And so that's a human activity we're not engaged in. So how we get the family unit as a whole to be more active because we will be taking care of some people's children until they're the age of 26 now. So that's 26 years of an investment in their health care as well. And so I think finding more programs and activities and, and leagues and, and working out with the, maybe the recreational department in Bloomington, um, you know, discounts for IU employees, children being involved. There's so many things we can do. And I think if we actually go move forward and we all have a seat at the table and help generate these ideas, we could make something like this successful. But at this stage, I think I'm with a lot of people and I have a lot of questions and concerns. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joining us from our live chat, um, and we covered this somewhat a little earlier, but I think it's worth talking about again. It says, for the new health clinic plan, could you briefly go over what medical um, – coverage will cover the employee if they have to go somewhere other than the health clinic itself? Is it kind of an in-network, out-of-network situation or? I would actually defer the details of that to, to the, the Clarion. Clarion. Um, there will be in-network and out-of-network. Clearly the large number, I mean, I've seen the list of doctors in Bloomington. It is huge. Uh, but if mm-hmm. to the extent that you need to go to a physician that is not in the Clarion quality partners, then I assume I, but I'm what I know about medicine is that you should read the bottle before you take the pill. Um, but my understanding is that would be out of network. But, you know, maybe a good point was as we move forward, maybe it would be a good thing if uh, the university held a town hall meeting with, by Clarion to really answer and address questions from the whole be- – I mean what we need is a participatory approach and holding town hall meetings on campus and having people raise questions that we haven't thought about here or the listeners haven't thought about would only help uh, if this thing would be successful. Yeah, we're, we're a little early. I mean the, yeah. the plan when it's rolled out will do exactly that in October. 
We could have another noon edition on the show, too. We could. I just wanted to uh, remind our listeners, uh, you can call us, 855-0811-1877-285-9348. Our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can go there to chat about this topic. You can participate in a poll. You can send us an email. And uh, this just in also, we've been uh, extended today for 10 minutes. So we're going to be going to about 108 today. So because we've got lots of emails that Mary Catherine's going through and uh, hopefully we'll get a few more calls. Okay. Here's another one. Um, Purdue has offered a health incentive program uh, in, both recent, uh, in both recently, although participating uh, resulted in a direct payment rather than a premium reduction. They are no longer using the incentive program. Have you consulted with anybody from Purdue as, as, about their program and how that went for them? Yeah, I spoke with the my counterpart at Purdue yesterday. Uh, they are actually going to go with the same program that we are introducing on the on the Clarion Clinic side. Uh, they're not going to do the healthy lifestyles, the increase in premium that you earn back. Um, so, yeah, we're all in the same situation. These costs are going to a point that none of us can afford. Mm-hmm. So, I think everyone out there is just looking at what are all the options that are available. Could, could we back up just a second and talk a little bit about that issue, the the healthcare costs, and what's mm-hmm. driving the increase in costs? Well, I think an aging uh, population, uh, greater technology. Uh, so the uh, cost when you uh, go into the hospital is much greater. So it's greater use and greater cost per use. Mm-hmm. And, and in the past few years, I mean, how much has the university borne all the cost increases or have the uh, employees had to step it up as no, well? No, we're about 80-20. 80% of the cost is paid by the university. So when we say we're paying $167 million this year, if I do my math quickly, I think that means the employees paying about $40 million mm-hmm. uh, out, of, out of pocket. Right. So it's an, it's an 80-20 roughly split. Okay. Okay. Uh, this commenter writes, I don't understand the mandatory thing. It, is it only mandatory if you participate in the IU insurance plan? What if you have insurance with your spouse's employer and don't take advantage of the IU plan? Then I – that's correct. It's only – if only mandatory if you're in the IU health plan. Okay. Uh, how many IU faculty and staff members are alcoholics? Are there pl- any plans uh, for uh, – and again, I apologize. Some of these are a little bit broken up. But um, and any plans to uh, – I don't know, something about alcohol and other drugs? What – Not uh, – certainly not as an individual characteristic. Um, the characteristics that were identified by the faculty staff committee – I think are tied to the CDC recommendations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my assumption is that the alcohol is not part of what the CDC is recommending to be done. Yeah. Does, we, we, I don't know. Does IU – I mean I don't have IU insurance, so I don't know this. But do they offer uh, any kind of rehab program yes, for – there are that's already in place. Yes. So if you have a drug or alcohol pro- program, some form of rehab is covered by IU insurance. You and your family. That's correct. OK. All right. That's interesting. OK. Um, uh, there's been talk about the, the HEP, HEP program itself, but uh, could you please address how much the base premiums for the health plans will go up for the next year, uh, i.e. the non-HEP pr- premium? Yeah, not decided yet. We will have that those numbers in early October and send those out so that uh, employees can make their election. Okay. 
Um, what safeguards will IU administration put in place to ensure that staff's confidential medical information is kept private? At the very least, staff and human resources will know if you have failed to meet the, and set the goals, meet the set goals rather, since they will have access to, to the correct premium amount to each person's account. I'm concerned about medical privacy. This is something we're hearing a lot about, mm-hmm. isn't it, Neil? No, very and very understandably. Uh, we have weekly meetings with Clary, and this is the top topic of how do we do this so that inappropriate information doesn't come back to the university, and that's still in in process. Okay, can I go on? Sure. All right, let's do it. You're doing great. <laughs> All right. Along the lines of the questions about access to recreational facilities, I'd like to suggest that IU negotiate with the other local recreational facilities to offer reciprocal arrangements for folks who have already uh, have a membership elsewhere. It would permit valid members of one facility to occasionally use another facility uh, at a time when it might be a better fit on, on any, every, any given day. For example, we have a family membership at the YMCA, but it's not as convenient for me during the workday as going to the hyper would be. Mm-hmm. But after already paying for a family membership, I don't really want to pay for an another another single membership. Any chance of IU investigating this kind of community-wide reciprocal arrangement? I will mention it to Kathy Bayless. I think the you know, problem you're going to get into, of course, is fees. Um, the students are the primary supporters of that facility, uh, and clearly their interests are going to have to be paramount in whatever we were to do. But I'll, I'll mention it to what about You know, an interesting survey came out from Kathy Bayless, which I haven't seen the results, and they asked all the staff and faculty, would you use these facilities if it was free? There is, a mo- there is money associated, I mean, to use this facility. But the only thing that can be gained, I believe, I mean, I think the figure was between $700,000 and a $1 million in a median I sat on, which would be the fees. But really the benefit of having people able to use these facilities for free would be tremendous. And it also touches on upon another issue kind of on a tangent, which is food on campus. And I know you have a long history of vending machines on and off campus. Um, but actually providing options along with the gyms and that um, maybe people who opt into the program are able to get a discount at some of the vendors on campus who offer food services, healthy food. Maybe there's a discount on certain kinds of foods for people who opt in. And uh, giving more opportunities for people to buy healthy food at some of the restaurants and cafes. But the big sticking point with faculty and staff on this campus is why can't we find the money to provide free facilities on campus and possibly negotiate with Parks and Rec in Monroe to have people have more options? I mean, I don't think that exercising is the only silver bullet here. But people ask year in, year out. um, They bring this issue up. And it would be nice to settle this once and for all and really open the doors up and see what kind of turnout we have. I just want to mention I was at a meeting this morning, started at 730 at the YMCA, and it was about this uh, a community-wide health initiative called uh, Achieve. And uh, it seems to me that IU and this group from Achieve could get together and, and there may be some solutions to some of these issues there. Okay. Keep going. All righty. I think it's misleading that this is being touted as a voluntary program, but insured employees will have to pay the additional premium unless they participate and their health numbers fall within the acceptable range. Only in that case might they get some or all of the fee reversed. So those who either choose not to participate or whose health numbers, such as cholesterol and BMI, are not within the acceptable range will have to pay. Is that a fair statement? In the first year, it's not, but I certainly the direction this is going is that there will be some some measures that that uh, you will either have to make progress towards or meet in some way in order for you to have a, a lower. We're, we are going to be tying uh, the 
healthcare premium over the long run to your success in meeting uh, healthcare outcomes that are that are seen as tied to greater health. Okay. And if you're just joining us, we uh, are talking about Indiana University's new health engagement program with IU Vice President and CFO Neil Theobald and, and local CWA Union President Bryce Smedley. We're going to go 10 extra minutes today because it's been a really lively topic. So if you just joined us thinking that we're going to, about to go off the air, you've got 10 more minutes. You could call us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348 or go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition to send us an email email, participate in a poll, or participate in a chat. Okay. Please clarify. People will be charged a fee for the – is it HEP or HEP? Again, I'm sorry. Either one. I can, I can either. do either one. Okay. Um, if they are on the health – on the IU health insurance, no matter what, they can't choose not to be on the HEP if they have IU health insurance. The only voluntary part is if you want to have your health statistics measured and they're within the IU-determined range, you can get the fee removed. Except the last piece. Uh, that's exactly right. Um, in the first year, it is simply, well, I guess you have to show that you either don't smoke or go through smoking cessation. That's, that's a, a, some, a barrier you have to meet. But otherwise, it's simply having the test taken and, and filling the online form. So there isn't any metric you have to meet okay. in the first year. Is everything out of the system except what IU provides? What about drug prescription subsidies? Is everything out of system except what IU provides? What about drug prescription subsidies? I'm not sure I get this either. Tell well, you. We, uh, we provide drug, uh, prescription subsidies as part of the health care plan, and that uh-huh. will be part of, of all four health care plans going forward. Okay. All right. Maybe if that person wants to write back and clarify that just a little bit, it would be helpful. We're going to go to a phone call. Conrad's on the phone. Conrad? Yes, I'm here. Go ahead. Okay, I just tuned in, so uh, please tell me if you already covered this subject. Uh, but it kind of, uh, there was a little discussion of food. So um, it kind of occurred to me that uh, the Bloomington campus has possibly the wor- worst food service I've ever encountered. Uh, you know, it's outsourced. we got McDonald's, Pizza Cut, Burger King, um, junk food stores available inside the dorms. Um, it, is there any discussion of uh, promoting healthy eating on campus? Uh, one other comment. I have students who are foreign. Uh, they tell me that they experience uh, stomach problems when they uh, uh, are on the IU meal plan and are eating at the dorms. Uh, diet is so, so important. Uh, will the university uh, do anything about this to get actually some decent food available on campus? In terms of the dormitories, there's, this is under active discussion. Uh, in fact, it was discussed at a trustee meeting last year. Uh, great interest in, in healthier uh, – from the students, greater interest in healthier food options in the, in the dormitories. And I know Pat Connor uh, is working on that. We have, we've got a group that's, that's looking at the food that's offered in the dorms. And I hopefully we will see improvements this year. And well, we will see improvements this year. And hopefully we'll see even more in the years ahead. As far as within the, the outsourced arrangement in the IMU, again, we talk with uh, Sodexo, uh, Marriott, who operates that. And that is an issue that, that's raised. I think they, their argument is they're responding to consumer demand. And that might be so, but I think a lot of employees have mentioned that, um, and I think we had mentioned it briefly earlier, um, having more healthy food available or having some of the outsourcing with some of these companies provide a discount to IU employees in the program on healthy food. You know, a lot of people uh, 
can't afford to shop at certain places, can't afford organic food. Um, and part of what people are consuming for food occurs definitely outside of their workplace. Um, and, and that's really tough because I think people do want to make healthy choices, but you can't always afford it. I mean, I think it would be awesome. I don't think it would ever happen if, you know, IU, for people who opt in, maybe were able to pay for people's share at somewhere like Blooming Food um, because they're making a choice to eat better, to eat healthier, and if they can afford it, um, to use that. I mean, there's, there's lots of things that can happen, but I think providing healthy food or making it available is critical. Right. When I worked on campus, I would have loved to have had Blooming Foods available and, and walkable distance. And if the university came up and said, you opt into the program, we'll pay for your, I think it's $90 share into Blooming Foods. Whether or not you can afford it, that's another question, but even providing it, um, where it's the university money. So if you opt out of uh, that share of Blooming Foods, maybe that could go back to the university. But that kind of incentive could be successful. I mean, it would be a financial burden, but... All right, quick follow-up. Could fo- I make an, that's yeah. another comment? Quick follow-up, um, sure. I hear a lot of woulda, shoulda, coulda. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, historically the food's been pretty terrible. I have to tell you, my father was a professor um, at Indiana University for, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. And uh, he told, once told me a story about a committee he was on back in the uh, 60s or the 70s to uh, uh, deal with the uh, terrible food quality and choice at Indiana University. And it doesn't seem to me that it's um, ever changed, uh, you know, with the um, coming uh, changes in the health program, uh, uh, indicating uh, certain targets in terms of BMI, blue coats, uh, uh, cholesterol level. But uh, the university, on the other hand, is feeding the very food to students and, in some cases, faculty, which uh, is causing obesity, uh, rise in cholesterol level, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just find it absurd to hear a lot of woulda, shoulda, coulda uh, when there seems to be little or no action. One final comment. Outsourcing is absurd. If you're going to outsource to a food service, obviously they're going to be giving the cheapest food available. Um, is there any discussion of ending the outsourcing agreement and doing the food uh, completely internally at IU? All right. On the first issue, I, I would strongly disagree with you. Uh, the residential programs and services is very actively seeking to improve the quality of food in the dorms. And I am in meetings all the time and I get progress reports. I know that is happening. So if you contact Pat Connor, just go to their website, you'll find that. Yes, we looked at whether we would end the outsourcing arrangement last year. Uh, and it was determined that satisfaction of our students, which is the primary reason we're here, uh, was to keep the current arrangement. And so we have uh, entered into another, another agreement with Sodexo. It is. You know, I just want to note as, as a journalist too, it's easy to say everything is terrible. Um, you know, it's not always so. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I have to, I have to, I just have to say that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. From HIPAA, frequently asked questions about the HIPAA non-discrimination requirements site. Uh, it says, under HIPAA, an individual cannot be denied eligibility for benefits or charged more for coverage because of any health factor. This phrase might be legal, but as soon as the next phase where health factors determine your insurance premium, it will be uh, – will be. I don't know. This is written kind of strangely, but it, it seems that that will be the case. Right. Go for it. Okay. Um, again, if there are uh, extenuating circumstances with an individual's health – because this is all going to be done individually. I mean this is – Who's going to do this? This is like physician. a nightmare. This is – well, this is your physician and yourself. There, <laughs> there are exemptions that can occur to – the uh, requirements, uh, but in general, there will be standards that you'll need to meet as far as what your rate will be. It's individual person by person. 
Okay. Uh, here's another one. Any consideration for being 65 or older? You get cut any slack for that? <laughs> well, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, you mentioned earlier that um, um, you know, one of the reasons healthcare is going up is because we have an older generation and people are living longer. Um, and so I think we need – again, I think we need to look at the individual and this, need to, this needs to be designed around the individual. But I think uh, people's age, um, their history, their medical history, I think we, people should be treated differently on a whole wide uh, variety of factors. And I think that uh, especially people who are um, 60 or older should be given different, different parameters to work within. Um, and, it all, and I believe it all starts off where, where you're starting from. We're all, we're all different bodies and shapes and sizes and all that. And so it does need to be individually personalized. Okay, a couple just comments. Um, they like your ideas, Bryce, and they think you ought to be put on the task force. So, <laughs> <laughs> Neil, you might want to consider that. Uh, another comment was we recently were on a driving vacation and noticed that every large construction project we saw in progress was a hospital addition or construction. It seems that a major part of the health care cost crisis is unlimited, often unnecessary spending by health care corporations. So I guess that's just an observation. Got time for maybe two more questions. All right. Um, I'd like Mr. Theobald to comment on the fact that so many uh, IU employees are overworked. My husband regularly works 10 to 13 hours a day. He's underpaid and has been told that because he is salaried, he works till the work is done, not an eight-hour day. Clearly, in the current economic environment, we are all working harder. And until yesterday, it didn't appear we for any additional salary. Uh, we there's no no meeting I have with President McRobbie that he doesn't bring up the importance of our employees. They are the most important thing we have here. Uh, we're in a people business, uh, but given the current economic uh, situation, uh, we ha- are having to work with fewer employees, as Bryce mentioned, and we have six thousand more students, so we have a lot more work to get done, uh, and we. D- Greatly appreciate all the efforts all of our employees are making to wow. keep us going in this environment. 6,000 more students? 6,000 more students across the university this that's year. A, yes. That's amazing. How many on this campus? Uh, this campus, about 41,000 this year. And that's an increase, an increase of? Well, from last year, uh, it's going to be an increase of about 400. From the year before, about 2,000. Wow, that's impressive. This has to be quick. Okay, it is quick. If the clinic is going to be ready January 1st, then it appears all other options are really off the table. Isn't that correct? That is correct. We're going to have a a clinic January 1. All right. All right. This is a a record-setting program, even bigger than the gardening show (laughs) in terms of questions and answers. I'm sad for the tree. We killed printing these (laughs) off. Oh, my gosh. You know, this is – it's an interesting topic. It's it's an important topic. And I think one thing that we've done today is we've shown that that there are a lot of concerns but also a a lot of ideas, and it seems like the university is in a great position to develop something that could be really a, a, a model. I look forward to working with Bryce on this. All right. And we are – sorry, Bryce, we're out of time. That's all right. Thanks for all having right. me. I want to thank Bryce, Bryce Smedley, the local CWA union president and IU vice president and CFO Neil Theobald for being here with us. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Dan, Dan Goldblatt, uh, engineer Mike Pashkash, and engineer John Shelton. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at wfiu.org. 
Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.